Revelation 3, verse number 12, if you found your place, if you are able and willing, please stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. I would encourage you this morning to tune in with us, maybe take some notes, maybe, maybe mark some things in your Bible, but for a while, especially in the beginning, I really would ask you to just tune in with us and listen with a close ear to what we have to say. And after we've established the premise of the message, I'll give you a few things. Not going to give you a few things and then a few things about those few things. I don't have time for that this morning because it was going to take us a little while. I'm going to, one preacher said this week, I'm going to build a foundation fit for a skyscraper and then we'll build a pup tent on it. So um, Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 12, the word of the Lord says, Him that overcometh will I make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And for all of us in Harrelson County, a pillar is not something you lay your head on to sleep at night. That might be what you call it, but that's not what that is. That's a pillow. We're talking about a pillar in the temple of our God. And he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Again, the beginning of the verse. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. We will get back more to this name business as we get towards the end of the message. But I want to focus this morning in the beginning of this verse. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of of my God. That is the text this morning, a pillar in the temple of my God. Now this is the midst of the message of the Lord of the church at Philadelphia. There are seven churches of Asia Minor in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He addresses these churches the Lord does. All seven churches with the exception of this one, he says unto them, I know thy works. And he rebukes them for some things, commends them for others. The church of Philadelphia gets no rebuke. The church of Philadelphia does not get a scolding in any way from the Lord. Jesus does not criticize them in any fashion, in any manner. They are blessed. They are spirit-filled. They are weak, the Bible says, but they did not compromise. They were under attack, but God would give them the victory. They were bombarded by satanic influence, but they did not embrace false doctrine. They were sound, strong, settled, and secured. And the Lord promised the overcomers among them, and my friend promised us by extension as readers and adherents to this epistle, that we would be made pillars, pillars in the temple of God. This phrase, will I make Pillars, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God? This phrase, will I make, means to form, to sculpt, to construct, carefully prepare, to build according to design, to place with purpose. I want to tell you today that God has a purpose, a plan, a design for your life. And He will perform it in the lives of the overcomers. And my friend, God wants to do something permanent, something powerful, something positional, and something purposeful with your life. You're not here by accident. You're not here by happenstance. When I say here, I mean here on planet earth. When I say here, I mean here in the house of the Lord this morning. When I say here, I mean in the family of God. It is not by accident. God has a purpose for your life. The Lord did not just save you to carry you to heaven. If He did, He'd have drowned you in the baptismal pool and took you home. Amen. The Lord did not just save you so you could feel good. He didn't just save you so you could shout the glory. He didn't just save you so you could witness of Him to others. And I do believe we ought to be a witness to others. And I do believe we ought to shout the glory. But if all He wanted us to do was be witnesses to others, He could have used a loudspeaker from heaven to be a witness to others had He so chosen to do so. But He has a plan for your life specifically. 
The Lord knows the number of hairs upon your head. Not just how many, but they are numbered. He knows which one is which. He knows your fingerprint, your DNA. He is keenly aware of your life. And God has a plan and a purpose in the, for your life to use you for His glory. He wants to integrate your life into the house of the Lord. And then not only when it does do I say that by that mean into the church house, but into the household of faith. That household of faith that Hebrew or Ephesians said was fitly framed together that we are building up as it were a habitation of the Lord. I appreciate Brother John going and sitting over there with Sister Patricia this morning. She was going to look like a leper, the only one on that side. And consolidation has taken place over here. What the Lord wants us to do this morning, what God wants to do with us, He wants to bring us out of our isolation and to integrate us into the household of faith. He does not seek to use you as a loner, an individual, only you. My friend, you're not the only one who is saved. You're not the only one who's going to heaven. You're not the only one that's serving God. You're not the only one God's going to use, but He's going to bring you out of that place of isolation, of solitude, of separation from God and His people, and integrate you into the household of faith. Make of you a pillar in the temple of our God. Now, there are only three portions of the Bible that reference specifically these pillars that He's talking about in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12. There is our text verse that we've read to you this morning. And then if you roll back in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Kings chapter 7 a portion of scripture in the construction of the temple tells about these pillars in the household of God. We're going to reference that chapter a lot this morning in the preaching. And the Bible says in 1 Kings in verse uh, chapter 7, verse 21, And he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar and called the name of it therefore Jacob. And he set up the left pillar and called the name of it therefore Boaz. And then one other portion of Scripture references these pillars and their origin and where they came from. And we're going to reference it a lot this morning coming from First Chronicles chapter number 18. Even prior to construction of the temple, if you want to start with the beginning of these pillars, you must go back all the way to the reign of David. And David took his forces in chapter 18 of First Chronicles to the land of Zobah. And there he would fight King Hadar Rezer. This was the easternmost outreach of the kingdom of David. Matter of fact, it's the easternmost outreach the kingdom of Israel ever came to. God gave them promises of all the land that they would occupy, much more than what I can preach today. God gave them promises of all the lands. It encompassed everything in what is most modern day Iraq and Iran and all of that Saudi Arabian Peninsula that is there and all the land that we call the Holy Land today and that that is Syria and Damascus and that that is all around that region God promised it to them but disobedience and unbelief kept them from fulfilling and from taking possession of all of the land that God had promised unto them the closest they ever came to it was during the reign of King David and the farther most that he ever went during his reign in the eastern direction, particularly in the northeastern direction, I was into the land of Zobah as he faced that king, Hadar Ezer. And the Bible tells us, my friend, that David and his people were fulfilling God's promise in outreach of his kingdom. And my friend, the intent for God's people to occupy the land of promise. Now this man's name who was king there, Hadar Ezer, Hadar, sometimes referred to or recorded in the Bible as Hadad, was actually the title of this heathen king. As the title of the Egyptian king was Pharaoh, as the title of the Roman leader was Caesar, so also Hadad or Hadar was the title of this king of Zobah. And the Bible said this name Hadar means Hadad will help. And 
time they believed that they occupied their land by the help and the empowerment of their demon gods that this idolatrous people worshipped. Their god Hadad was the one they felt like had empowered them to rule in their Canaanite land of Zobah. And they felt like that they were that Hadar Rezer. There's some reason to believe that Rezer means helper. That Hadar Rezer, the king, was the devil's helper. That he was a demonic god's helper. And that as surely as the devils had empowered them to occupy their kingdom, that the king helped the devil and helped their demonic god in accomplishing their purpose in occupying that land. Oh, but David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, my friend, the darling of the land of Israel, the man after God's own heart, the king that was anointed until the ointment ran upon his beard and it dripped upon the ground. That king in whose hand God delivered giants and Philistines and that man that gave victory unto God's people, that man who comes from the tribe of Judah and out of whose loins would come the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. He invaded the land of Hadar Rezer, the devil's helper. And my friend, he conquered that land. He conquered Hadar Rezer, Satan's helper. He took the spoils of war. He set up garrisons for protection in Syria, Damascus, and First Chronicles 18 and 8 said, likewise from Tibhath and from Chun, cities of Hadar Rezer that brought David very much brass. Very much brass. Wherewith Solomon made the brazen sea and the pillars and the vessels of brass. So get the picture. David goes out into the far land run by the devil and his helpers. And there he defeats the devil and his helpers. And he brings out of that land the spoils of war, including very much brass. Loads it up on wagons, carts, and so forth. Brings it back to Jerusalem. He hands it off to Solomon, his son. And the same spoils of war that David delivered from the devil's helper was used in the construction of the house of God. And the Lord said, I'm going to make you a pillar in the house of God. And now y'all please follow me for just a minute here. I want you to think back to a day and time in your life. If you've ever been saved by God's grace. How when Hadar Ezer, Satan's helper, oppressed you and held you and used you. He had you, my friend, in use in his kingdom. That brass is a likeness to us. And I'll get there in just a moment. But as surely as that brass was in the position of my friend of Hadar Ezer, so were we under the thumb of Satan and his helper. My friend living in a foreign land. Away from God and his promises. Not under the domain of our heavenly David. Not under the domain of that man from Judah, from Jerusalem. That powerful king of God. But praise God for the day when our heavenly king invaded the domain of the devil and all of his helpers and delivered us out from that land and put down the forces of hell and Satan that held us half captive and held us oppressed. Oh, bless his name. And brought us out of that land. Delivered us from that bondage. And put us on a cart when we couldn't carry ourselves. And delivered us out when we couldn't help ourselves. Brought us into a land we knew nothing about. And my friend brought us out of that place where we had been installed. Brass doorknobs, brass brass plates and brass brass shields and brass candlesticks that once had given off the eerie glow of the candlelight that worship in the idolatrous gods of the land of Sophar. But praise God, He brought us out of the heathen temples and delivered us from 
from that brought us into the land of God to use us for His purpose and for His glory and to made us a part of the temple of God, the household of faith, and we will never be the same again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother, if you get all of this, it'll help you. If you just get pieces of it, it'll do you some good. Amen. He brought us out to use us. And I bless His high and holy name. Now when David went into battle as a king from Judah, the banners would wave above his head. The battle of Judah. Or the banner of Judah, which said David was a king from Judah. And he'd lead that army into battle. Above them would fly banners something similar to flags. And my friend, the banner of Judah was a rampant lion. A rampant lion. Not just a lion, but a rampant lion. And I don't know if you know what that means or not. But it means that the lion is not just standing there. My friend, licking on something to eat or laying down, taking a nap. But he's up on his hind legs. His paws are raised up. He's ready to pound. He's ready to attack. That shows him the king of the jungle. That shows him in might and in power. That shows him in glory. That is the banner of Judah. And by the way, he is Jehovah. My banner. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I don't know if the people in Judah even understood then what that really meant. But in hindsight, we know what it meant. Whenever David went out to battle, when he went to fight Satan's helpers, when he went out to fight Hadar Rezer, when he went to deliver the copper, or my friend the brass, back to the city of Jerusalem, he delivered them by the power of the lion. He delivered them by the banner of the Lord. He delivered them by my friend, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm saying today I'm set free. I'm delivered. I'm saved. I'm new. I'm forgiven. Because the lion of the tribe of Judah brought me out. Hallelujah. Satan has no power. Satan has no authority. Satan has no clutch or hold on the life of a person. When the lion of the tribe of Judah invades his territory and delivers us out. There ain't a thing in the world. All the Hadar Reasers, all the Hamans, all the Herods, all the Hillers, all the Husseins can do about it. Praise God when Jesus wants to deliver you. And Satan cannot defeat him. And the lion will prevail. He will bring us out. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I got to get to preaching and not get too carried away this morning. Got too much ground to cover. That lion of the tribe of Judah. And so he goes into that land. He delivers out the brass. Now hear me. The Bible said he got very much brass. Very much brass. That's 1 Corinthians Chronicles 18. Very much brass. And my friend, the brass is an illustration of you and me. And it's very likely not what we think of as brass. But it's called brass and what they would call brass in that time. We would probably call it copper. Regardless because of the time they didn't know how to refine into brass. and Not brass as we know it at least. But the Bible calls it brass so I'll call it brass. And it's what they would have called it would have been brass. But it's probably what we would relate to more like copper. But it is a likeness of you and of me. Regardless if it is brass as we know it or if it is copper as it would have been probably in that time. It has a tendency to tarnish. It is prone to corruption. It is prone to tarnish. It can be polished, but the polish doesn't last forever. It must be worked on regularly. And the labor in it is never done. Are you listening to me? And the Lord brought us out. But He didn't just bring us out. He went to work on us. And He polishes us but when he polishes today we tarnish again tomorrow and he has to polish again and again 
and again. We are prone to tardis to decay. Every one of us are born headed for the graveyard eventually. We're not going to live in this world forever. Your hair turns gray. My friend, your skin will wrinkle. Your eyes will grow weak. Your strength will grow weak. We tend to tardis. You can put on an Armani suit, sir. Man, you can wear MK all over you. y'all. Some of y'all know what MK is. They tell me that it's supposed to mean something. I'm not real sure. You can carry a Gucci bag. Honey, if you pay enough money to buy something, a Gucci bag, if you pay enough money to buy a Gucci bag, and you'd spend that much money on something that my daddy used to use as a word to tickle us with, you're a fool. Amen. Hallelujah. He'd poke us in the ribs and holler, Gucci, 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 Gucci. And we'd giggle and laugh, and people spend all sorts of money on getting him a bag of Gucci. Amen. And you could go see James Powers, let him know you need some, and he can Gucci Gucci you the rest of the day. Amen. How you can carry a Gucci bag. You can wear an Armani suit. You can have my friend fancy shoes on your feet. You can paint your face until we can't recognize a person behind it. Put on a wig. Put in your false teeth. False eyelashes. My friend of town of one leg. Amen. How you can decorate yourself up as best as you desire. But the fact of the matter is what's under there is still the same. God isn't just polishing up this man. Out here he's polishing up that man that is down in here. That's the brass he's working on. Oh, thank God. And sometimes, though I'm certainly not preaching against dressing well or wearing makeup or trying to look nice, I don't preach against that at all. Matter of fact, I preach for it. But I'm going to tell you sometimes... I think we overdo it. Sometimes we work on this outward man's appearance and we ignore that person on the inside. And what God wants to do is to shine up and develop and to polish that person down in here that the love and radiance of Christ might shine through us and the glory of God might be manifested on us. And so, my friend, this copper is us. This uh, this brass is us. And the work on it is never done. When David delivered the brass out of Zobah, the work was not done. Somebody said, I'm saved. The work is done. Well, you got half of that right. If you are saved, friend, God has done a work in you. And if you are saved, the work of redeeming your soul and salvation is done. Here I I am 30 years been saved and some of you have only been saved maybe for a short time and some of you a lot longer than what I have but if you've been saved five minutes you're just as saved as what I am if you've been born again for five minutes you are just as born again as what I am but I assure you after the work of redemption God has work yet to do in your life and the Lord wants to continue my deliverance from Zobah was just the beginning. He loaded up brass candelabras that had set before heathen gods brass doorknobs that once hung on idle temple doors brass hooks and shields that were the property of demonically controlled lands and he brought them to Jerusalem. Oh, I want to say thank God for the relocation from heathen control to the king's territory but hear me but though they had been relocated their relocation did not keep them from still having in them the marks of where they came from now I want to park on something for just a second here and then we're going to get to the preaching I hadn't made it there yet I'm still building a foundation for the skyscraper some of you this morning listening to the preaching you're saved but there's a whole lot of marks in your life that still identify you with the old life. That still connect you to where you were and that still identify you with who you were before you came to know the Lord. 
Y'all listen real good to me now. There's none of us in this building this morning have any need with the preaching that I'm doing today to put the radar up to extend the horns out of your head and hold your halo high because all of us are in the same shape. You are saved this morning, but every one of us, there is more in us than what we would like to accept, admit, and acknowledge that identifies us with who we were before we ever met Jesus. Amen. Marks of the old life. Engravings of the old life. Oh yes, friend. Connects us. There's a lot more of Zoba that is still in us. Though he has delivered us out of Zoba. Of the devil's territory. There's a lot of Zoba that still abides in us. Amen. I don't belong to the devil. And yet the devil still gives me a hard time. I don't belong to this old sinful world. And yet it still presses on me. I am not of this world. And yet it's imprint seems like. It's mark. It's scar. Has a steel in my life and in yours. And God has a design and a desire for your life. And my friend to polish away. And to change your form. Your how to revolutionize your entire composition so as to make you a part integrated into the glory of the household of faith. My soul, I hope you'll listen to what I'm preaching right now. Your location not only needs to change and it does with deliverance and salvation but your identification needs to change and it only will with the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. Jesus, our Redeemer, has brought us out and brought us in. But now it is the Holy Spirit that not only wants to change your location, but your identification. He not only wants to get you in the church pew instead of on the bar stool, but He wants to change that inside of you while you sit on the church pew. Amen. Amen. Oh, think about this. That brass would be brought out on carts. That brass would be brought out on wagons and such. Very much brass. A lot of brass. Has so much brass, the Bible said, that they dare not weigh it. They don't know how much they got. It was so much. They couldn't weigh it. They couldn't tell. It was overwhelming. I'm going to tell you, God's saving all kinds. Are you listening to me? God's saving all kinds. Those you can't weigh out. Those you can't measure. Those you don't think they'll ever get saved. God saving all kinds and bringing them out. When He brought them out, it'd be a long time before they would ever become what the Lord really wanted them to become. He brought them out under David, but David didn't build the temple. First Chronicles 18, David brought them out when he's king. But David didn't build the temple. He wanted to build the temple, but God wouldn't let him build the temple. He said, you have hands of war, hands of blood. I'm going to let Solomon build that temple, your son. I don't know how long. Could have dug a little deeper maybe and found estimates. I don't know how long that that brass sat in a warehouse in Jerusalem. I don't know how long that, that, that those candeloppers, those doorknobs, those posts the Bible talks about, those shields and brass sat in a warehouse in Jerusalem. My friend, waiting for God's purpose to be accomplished in them. But it was quite some time before they ever achieved the purpose. Some of you this morning have been saved for quite some time. And do you wonder, will God ever use me? Will God ever let me accomplish anything? And do I really have a place in the service of the Lord? And let me assure you, though it may seem like as it was with Abraham and with Sarah in our Sunday school lesson this morning. It may seem like years and days and months passed. And you say, when is God ever going to do something with my life? I feel like I'm just warehoused. Can I tell you that God did not bring you out from Hadar Reeves' domain to let you waste away in a warehouse somewhere. He has a purpose for your life. This brass would be stored 
Finally, when David gets to around 70 years old, he passed on to Solomon the blueprint of how to build the house of God, the temple of the Lord. Minute details were in this blueprint, including how to do everything, how to build the walls, the ceilings, how to decorate, how to ornament, the levers, the bowls, all of the things that were there, the candlesticks, had included in this blueprint was how to use the brass are you listening to me included in the blueprint of the household of God was how to use the brass I want to tell you something this morning the father the king the father David gave to the son the king Solomon a blueprint of everything including how to use the brass the father in heaven God gave unto his son Jesus who said I came not to Accomplish my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me came to his son Jesus the blueprint of how to do it all, including how to use the brass, including how to use you and me. We're in the blueprint this morning. We're in the blueprint. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you. So David the king gives to Solomon the king. The blueprint on how to do it. Solomon the king implements the blueprint on how to do it. But Solomon the king never drove a nail. Solomon the king, best we can tell, never carried lumber on his back. Solomon the king, best we can tell, never developed the brass. Solomon the king never set up the posts and the pillars. Solomon the king didn't get a hammer and a chisel. Solomon the king, my friend, though he was the builder, he was not the one with hands on construction taking place. He called for a man by the name of Hiram, the Bible says. And I'm going to get more to Hiram in just a minute. But Hiram is a picture of the Holy Ghost. God the king gave to his son the king the blueprint. And his son the king enabled and permitted and carried out the blueprint. But he said, when I go away, it'll be good for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter cannot come and when he has come he will teach you instruct you develop you form you make you into what you ought to be and teaching you in all the ways of truth and right he will testify of me that is he is going to carry out the plan that is in my hand and when the day of Pentecost is fully come I'm still working on that message and when the day of Pentecost is fully come my friend there can cloven tongues of fire the wind blew like a mighty rushing wind and God the Holy Ghost began to move the Bible said it. he filled the house he filled the house he filled the house that's what God wants to do he wants to fill the house he wants to build up the household of faith and the Holy Spirit carries out this plan and my friend Ephesians 2 and 21 tells us what the plan is in whom all all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom also ye are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God the Father is the designer. God the Son is the one who ordered the construction. But the construction is completed by the work of the Holy Ghost. He's the one who fashions and molds and constructs and makes us to be pillars in the temple of our God. Now, the Holy Ghost is pictured in the life of a man by the name of Hiram. 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 14. The Bible says of Hiram that he was filled with wisdom and understanding and that he was a worker in brass. Did y'all get that? Hiram is filled with wisdom and understanding and he's a worker in brass. He's, he's wise. He understands. And he knows what to do with brass. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me this morning? The Holy Ghost of God. He's wise. He's understanding. And he knows what to do with us. We are the brass. He knows what to do with us. He's, my friend, a worker in brass. The Holy Spirit's specialty 
to is working on brass. Hiram drew all the brass candlesticks, candelabras, doorknobs, and doorposts and shields out of the warehouse of storage. And he brought them out on carts because there was a work to do in them. Hiram had raw materials, but he couldn't use it for much in its current shape. He had to bring change in the brass that would alter its form and forever change its identity. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that are saved this morning. God the Holy Ghost not only wants you to be saved, not only wants you to be at church, He wants to bring you out of warehouses. He wants to bring you out of just just being in Jerusalem waiting for the Lord to come back. And He wants to draw you out of your comfort zone. And He wants to change your identity. He wants to polish out of you the mark that identifies you with your past life. He wants to separate you from who you were and who you would be outside of God. And He wants to mold you into something that will glorify God in your everyday life. And the work of Hiram is done at Jordan. (laughs) The Holy Ghost. His work is done at Jordan. 1 Kings chapter 7 verse 46. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them. In the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. Oh, listen to me, friend, and this is really the message. Jordan, by the way, represents death. It represents a crossing. It represents a transition. And I want to tell you, God wants to do something in your life. And He wants to do it by means of dying. And not only did He want to deliver you, as David delivered the brass from Zobah, not only does He want to get you from out from under the thumb, of old Hadar Ezer of the devil but he wants you to die out to self and to sin and to sensual lust and to my friend stubbornness and your own self will and desire and he wants to make you something for his glory and if he's going to do it you've got to die he's got to bury that old man he's got to resurrect something new in your life And this is really the message. I'm going to give you about four things or five things or six things and I'll be done. When he gets that brass down there to the land of Jordan, the first thing he does is bury it. The first thing that Hiram does with that brass from Zobah is to carry it to Jordan and dig a pit. That's what the Bible says. He dug a pit a grave. And in that grave is where the brass was brought forth in a new image. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit must work to bury all that identifies us with Hadar, or Zobah, the devil and the world. And he brings a new life forth in us and that bears the image of our King that is pleasing in the sight of God. I wonder, child of God, have you ever let the Holy Ghost carry you to Jordan and dig a pit for you and crucify the old man with his affections and lust and bury that old man and bring about a resurrection work in your life and make you new in Christ. Somebody said like Martha, I know he'll live again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus lets us in on something. You don't have to wait till the last day to have new life. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know God wants to give you a new life while you're here? He wants you to have resurrection in you while you live. He wants you to have a new life now. I'm not the man I used to be. I am new in Christ Jesus. Hiram, the Holy Ghost, is polishing up my life and making me something for His glory. Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. The hymnal said, may all self be slain, my friend, see only thee. Though it costs me grief and pain, I will find my life again. If I lose myself, I'll find it, Lord, in thee. God, help us to be buried. My friend, to be buried in Jordan and to die out to that old man and everything that it held for us. Amen. 1 
first he buried the, 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 uh, the brass. Secondly, he burned the brass. After he built that pit, he built a fire. Hiram built a furnace. In order to form the brass, there must be a fire. There was heat and bellows to fan the flame. Oh, they didn't have uh, ovens that were fired and self-breathing and so forth in that time and certainly didn't have uh, the methods that we have now to fuel the fire and gasoline or propane and all this sort of stuff. And instead, they'd bring bells in there and begin to build that fire like the blacksmith that we've seen again and again in our day and time. He would take those pellets and crank them down. And with every press and with every push, my friend, the fan would blow up under the fire. And with every press of Hiram, with every breath of the Hiram, and with every wind of the Holy Ghost, the fire would burn hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And on Pentecost, there was a, a, a wind, my friend, a mighty rushing wind from heaven. And there was a fire. Hallelujah. Again, I'm back to that message I can't preach yet. But praise God. The Holy Ghost had the fan in his hand. That's what John the Baptist said it do. Baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. Anybody listening? And he said, whose fan in his hand? Oh, friend, you ever feel like that times come in your life when the fire's too hot? That times come in your life how would it seem like the temperature is too high? How when things are too much? And you say, Lord, why, why? Have you ever considered? It's because Hiram's got the fan. And he's pressing into your life. The breath of God. And the same thing that's building the fire is also blowing the wind in your life. And God will use it to sign you up, polish you up, and prepare you for a power in the temple of God. He built a furnace. He brings out the candlesticks, the candelabras, the doorknobs, the shields, all which once had an identity to themselves and the imagery of Hadar Rezer on them. Oh, if I'm one of those candlesticks. Y'all let my imagination run a little bit out of course here. The Baptist candlestick says to the Methodist candle opera, I liked the warehouse pretty good. They set the air conditioning just about right. Everything was pretty nice. We didn't have to do anything. There was no pressure on us. I didn't have to change anything. I didn't have to quit looking like I looked, acting like I had, going where I went. I was satisfied. I'm saved. I'm out from under the devil. I'm in Jerusalem. I'm all right. The work is done. I like the warehouse. Are you listening to me? Oh, my friend, God, help us. But listen, God was not interested in having Baptist candlesticks and Methodist candle operas and Pentecostal doorknobs my friend, amen. God was interested in building them into one pillar in the house of our God. He was not interested in heaven. Those are still marked with the marks of the world and of the devil and of the flesh and of religion. Oh, matter of fact, what they were, what they had been made, what they had been had to be totally annihilated before God could accomplish His purpose in them and he would take a candelabra and toss it in the furnace he would take a doorknob and toss it in the furnace he would take a candlestick a shield and toss it in the furnace with full expectation that when he got done not only would it shine the marks of Zobah would be gone my friend the identity would be gone the shape it was in would be gone oh it was not the shield of the doorknob that determined what shape I will be. It was 
was our heavenly Hiram. You see, he wants to make something out of you that you hadn't even thought of. I'm just a doorknob. I'm not a doorpost. I'm just a shield. I'm not a column. I'm just a candlestick. I'm not a pillar. But Hiram said, I've got bigger plans for you. I've got better plans for you. I want to do something with you. But i got to melt you down and pour you out first. Before I can make you what I want you to be, I've got to pour you out of the shape you are in first. The burning. Listen to me, friend. This is the part that modern day religion don't want. They don't want the burying. They don't want the burning. They don't want God to pour us out. They don't want God to pull out of us impurities. They don't want God to change their shape and their size and their sort. They don't want God to grind off the insignias of the world. That before Hiram can make you a pillar, he's going to have to bury you and burn you and pour you out. The Apostle Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered. That term offer there means to be poured out like a drink offering. They'd just take the cup, and I won't do it because it's almost full. They'd just take the cup and pour it out before the Lord. Every bit of it's God. Just dump it all out. Oh, my. I wonder has the Lord ever taken you and just poured you out. Oh, feels like you lost all shape, all order, all purpose. Nothing made sense. You were just running in every direction. Your life seemed like it was just spilled. Irrecoverable, unhelpable, unusable, just a mess. And yet God is pouring you out that He might just shape you up and develop you into something you never dreamed you'd be a part of. Whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather the wheat in the garden. He'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The burning. Then thoroughly this morning, Hiram, to build these pillars, there was bearing and burning. And then there was a beating that took place. Seems like all it does is get worse, don't it? There's a beating that took place after he has poured out this melted copper or brass into a mold. The mold is allowed to sit and to to distill and to settle and there it is shaped in the way that it was planned from the start and the fullness of the purpose of deliverance is about to be completed and Hiram and his men begin to press against the mold and he calls out to the Egyptians and Zidonians and Canaanites and Syrians that are working for him and says push, push we've got to break it out of the mold push, pound, press are you listening to me? Have you ever been around in those days in your life where you almost felt like you could hear the Holy Ghost say even to your adversaries push, press, pound and you're being bombarded from every side and you wonder God why is it this way why is it so and yet you do not understand the process nor the product God wants to bring from your life oh but as they press and beat my friend the brass pillars from the inside from this bearing, this burning and this beating there is brought two pillars and the mold is broken open and the pillars are revealed and their glory and their pomp and their splendor as they are polished off and they begin to shine with the glory of their maker and they are not homogenized mass produced manufactured carbon copies but the Bible says they were given names. They're so real and so personal and so distinct and so individual that though they're part of the whole building of God, they are given names. Are you listening to me? God the Holy Ghost is not taking away your identity so you won't have one. He's taking away your identity so you'll have a new one. (laughs) 
I'll give unto them a name, he said in our text. He said, matter of fact, I'll write on them the name of the holy city. I'll write on them the name of the city of our God. I'll write on them a new name. Amen. Hallelujah. He gave them names. Their names were Jacob and Boaz. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, Jacob's name. Jacob's name means established. Boaz's name means swiftly there is strength in him. Oh, praise God. They're not candle operas and doorknobs laying around in a warehouse. They're pillars with strength and establishment. They are part of the household of faith, fitly framed together in God's plan and God's way for God's glory. Hallelujah. And the beating and the burning and the bearing has accomplished something in their lives. The making, forming, development, producing, construction of a pillar in the temple of God. Bearing, burning, beating, and then there is a building. At the top of the pillars, there are what's called chapters, not chapters as like in a book. Chapters. Chapters are the crown of the pillar. It's the top. Y'all have seen those Greek columns and at the top of them they've got all sorts of frilly things and decorations and all sorts. This pillar comes up straight and gets to the top. And as it's maybe circular, when it gets to the top, then there is a square chapter that goes on top of that. And when it gets to the top, that is where all the decorations are. And it seems like it's an overflowing of that pillar, the way that they design those things. These chapters at the top are ones of great beauty. The uppermost part of the column that usually, it usually supports the roof. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. But these did not support the roof. Instead, they were decorative, symbolic, and testimonial. These chapters there were, in these chapters there were primarily three things. There were chains, first of all. When you looked at these chapters, the Bible said they had in them chains. That is the decoration, the engraving in them. There was engraving of chains. Now what's that business all about, y'all? Listen to me, I'm fixing to say something to help you. In those chains and that decoration up on top of the chapter, what's that chain all about? They were out there in front, and I'll say more about it in a second, but I can't say more about everything. i got to get done. Out there in front of the church is where these, these two columns were, and it's the first thing that it's a pilgrim would see when he came into Jerusalem to worship at the temple of God and the two pillars Boaz and Jacob would be out front and when they looked up they'd see the chains at the top of the pillar and you know what automatically that reminded them of there was a time when we were in Egyptian bondage there was a time when we were enslaved there was a time when we were in chains but praise God that's over now over now now we are are servants unto God and now we are servants of the true and living in almighty God and now our connection our devotion is not to Pharaoh and not to Egypt but freely we serve the Lord we serve God you're to be a pillar in the household of God. You're to be the pillar in the temple of God. Your life ought to exhibit a mark that says once I was in chains but today I'm delivered. And when people see you and say I remember what you did. I remember how you lived. You ought to proudly and thankfully say praise God I'm not like that anymore. I've been brought out. God's changed my life. I'm different than what I I've ever been Amen. a pillar in the house of our God. Everybody listening this morning, there's chains decorating it. And not only were the chains, but secondly, there were lilies. Lilies. Lilies is the resurrection flower. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Woo! The chain said, I once was in bondage, but now I'm free. The lilies said, I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Hallelujah. 
Oh, the lily shows purity and it shows life. And then thirdly, there were pomegranates. That is fruit. That is sweetness. My friend, it shows the richness of the Christian life. It shows the joy that there is in serving Jesus. It shows the pleasure that we have in walking with the Lord. And hear me now. These pillars and those chapters held up nothing. They ran up to the top to the porch, but they did not support it. That porch stood without them. Are you listening to me? (laughs) The builder of the temple did not need the pillars to make it stand up. It stood without the pillars. What he did do is he let the pillars stand out front as a testimony. Are you listening? You're a pillar. You're a pillar. You're a pillar. God don't need us. He can hold this thing together without us. He doesn't have to have us to hold the building up. He doesn't need me to keep the church together. God's not dependent on me to make this thing work. But he does let me come and have a part and be a testimony and share what Jesus has done in my life. Hallelujah. He's made me a pillar. In the temple of God. I'm closing with this. There's a bearing, a burning, a beating, a building, and then there's a brilliance. A brilliance to these these pillars. My mama used to say that so-and-so was dumb as a fence post. When I was a kid, she'd say, they can't help it, bless her heart. You know, that's what you say right before you say something mean about somebody. They can't help it, bless her heart. He's just dumb as a fence post. Amen. And here I am talking about these posts or pillars of the house of God being brilliant. But they are. I want to show you how. These pillars were facing the east. That's the east gate of the temple. There are two of them, Boaz and Jacob. Gateway, the doorway coming into the entrance of the temple which faces the east. The pilgrims that came in to worship in Jerusalem for all their feasts, one of which I'm itching to preach on very soon, would come into that entranceway through that eastern gate into, hallelujah, we're going to do it one of these days. We're going to enter the eastern gate, oh bless his name, into the temple of God in the heavenlies. Oh, and not come into that eastern gate. And when they came into that eastern gate in the early morning, the sun would be behind them. The pillars would be in front of them. And those pillars of brass polished daily. And my friend would sparkle. And give off a reflection of the light of the sun. And shoot rays of brilliance in every direction. And it seemed like everywhere you looked, the sunlight was shining. The city of Jerusalem was aglow. The ray of my friend, these pillars didn't shine. But they did reflect brilliance. Are you listening? to me in our lives God wants to bring us out God wants to bring us in He wants to bring us under bring us up change our lives our composition and put us on display shine His light on us as Gracie talked about this morning and let the brilliance of the light of God reflect from us in every direction so that everybody might See what Christ has done in us. I wonder this morning, is your life aglow with God? Hallelujah. The reflection of the sun would come from these brass pillars and be multiplied in every direction in that city. They were a witness that Jesus would shine in that land unto all people in all directions. They were also a witness that there would come a time when there'd be no need of the sun nor the moon. For the Lord himself will be the light of that city and his reflection will bounce off of us. And as surely as Jesus is going to shine, we're going to shine. Hallelujah. As as pillars in the temple of our God. But it won't be our light. We'll just reflect his light. Hallelujah. Oh, and what a day that day will be. Tanya, do you think that you could sing Jesus be Jesus 
in me. No longer me but thee. Resurrection power. Fill me this hour. Jesus be Jesus in me. God this morning wants you to be an overcomer. I've got so much more I could say about this. But I'm putting the brakes on here. Matter of fact I'm going to close my Bible. That may be the only way I can get the brakes put on. That thing right there is full of stuff. If you're not careful you'll be preaching it all day. Amen. God wants you to be an overcomer this morning. He wants to bring you out of the land of bondage if you've never been saved. He wants to defeat the oppression of Satan in your life. Hallelujah. He wants to wipe away the identification that marks you with the old life. He wants to mold you into His image. He wants to use you in His church. He wants to make of you an eternal testimony for His grace and His power. And if you will yield your life to Him, He can make of you a pillar in the temple of our God. But I'm going to say something one more time. If you're sitting in the warehouse this morning, saved but in Jerusalem warehouse, God didn't save you to warehouse you. If you're sitting in the warehouse this morning saying, I like it pretty good just like it is. I'm saved. I'm seated. And I'm settled to wait till Jesus comes. You'll never be what God wants you to be. And you can just sit there from now till Jesus comes back and you can be ashamed before him at his coming. Or you can say, Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of being a doorknob. I'm tired of being a doorstop. I'm tired of being a, being a candle opera. I want you to just take me down to the river. Dig a pit and bury that old man. Burn out everything in my life that offends you. Hallelujah. Make me the person you want me to be. Develop me. Pour me out. And let me have a place in the household of faith. And the Holy Ghost will use you. Jesus, be Jesus in me, in me. Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. Some of you young people have got goals and aspirations and desires. And I say, thank the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, if God reroutes you, jump everything you ever wanted. If God detours your life. Don't buck up at what the Lord wants in your life. What you want will not be best. It will not be best. What God wants out of your life is what matters most. I wrote a recommendation for John Michael to go to this uh, engineering camp or some sort of foolishness at that North Avenue trade school this week. If that's what God wants for his life, it's what I want. But whatever God wants, don't buck it. Don't kick against the prince. Let God do what he wants with you. You listening to me, Gracie? Let God do what he wants in your life. You young people, hear me. Let the Lord mold you. Some of you young and some of you old ones. I'll get on this altar and say, God, melt me down. Pour me out. And pour out my plans, my aspirations, my desires. Woo! Oh, God, make me what you want me to be. Jesus, be Jesus. Everybody stand. I preach what the Lord wants to wanted me to preach this morning and I'm slam worn out from it preached all I can preach I think I don't know how much of of it you held on to this morning but if God gave you one square inch of this message you ought to latch hold to it embrace it and appropriate it in your life oh God help us help us Lord Jesus be Jesus in me you need to pray this morning these altars are open it ought to be a time of submission and surrender today. Sing for us, sister. That chorus, however many times you want to sing it, feel like you need to sing it.